Uh, if you have been around city for any length of time, you would know Pida. I have uh, known her for a very uh, long length of time. I almost think if you said 2007 earlier, Pida, you've been at, at a city for longer than I've been around. Um, but whenever I have seen Pida in any season um, of her life, and everybody's life has high, highs and lows, she's always in church. She's always praising Jesus. She is always growing in Jesus. And when I look at her from those early days until now, it's just incredible to see what God has done in the midst of difficult seasons. And so let's give her a hand uh, as, as, as she shares with us this morning. Open your ears. Thank you, Vaughn. Um, such kind words. Ooh. So for those of you who don't know me, I'm just going to give you a quick, brief intro of myself. Um, so as you've heard, my name is Paida. I was born in Zimbabwe and raised in the United States in Boston, Massachusetts. I'm a Boston girl. Um, I have a BCom law degree and two postgrad diplomas in risk management and project management. I also have an MBA from Henley Business School. Thank you. <laughs> in two months, I turned 40. And, um, <laughs> and I am still waiting for the husband that God has for me. Yes, girl. Yes, I receive. In the meantime, I am the favorite aunt to countless nieces and nephews who I absolutely adore. I have been part of this church, as Vaughn said, since 2007 in its various forms. I absolutely love my church. And I love to serve here. So much so that some people do think I work here, but maybe one day. <laughs> Let me jump into my testimony for today. Um, the base of my testimony comes from Psalm 16. The whole chapter really came to life for me during this season of waiting that I will share with you. But verses 5 and 6, I especially cherished. The Lord is my chosen portion and my cup. You hold my lot. The lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Indeed, I have a beautiful inheritance. What an amazing chunk of scripture. So let me take you through my story quickly. In 2020, I started a new job as an executive at a management consulting firm. And through the COVID lockdowns, I was grateful for each month that I actually had a job. On the 29th of November, 2021, I went into the office. So though it was semi-lockdown, my, my company went into the office once a week. And this was a Monday. It was a normal morning, or so I thought. The night before, the head of HR had scheduled a meeting with me, and she also led our HR services team. So in my mind, this had to do with the client. The, there was no detail in the subject except her name and my name. I walked in, chirpy as always, but when I walked out, I had been given a retrenchment letter that I needed to review and give them my decision in 48 hours. It wasn't really a decision though, because either I accept the retrenchment and go in peace, or I stay and I wait for a restructure process. Now my team consisted of me and my two staff. 
not a huge restructure, is it? This also meant that I could put their jobs at risk. Whereas if I walked away, they would just be moved into different departments. I was the newest executive to the team, making it easier and cheaper for them to let me go. And due to the COVID impact on business, the company was making a business decision, which I understood, but I was being blindsided. I drove home in tears. I was driving pretty much on autopilot, not knowing what I was doing, what turns I was making, where I was going, what I was even doing. And the next thing I knew, I found myself at the City, home ga City Hope gate. Someone opened the gate and I drove in. I parked my car and sat by the bench down by the river. And I cried. And in frustration, I asked God, why? What now? How would I pay my bond? I had just bought a new house. Eek. How could I afford food? When would I get a job? December and January, most people don't hire. Then I remembered I had previously read a stat that it takes executives up to 12 months to get a new job. I was bleak. And I cannot explain it, but I was overwhelmed with a sense of peace. And as if God spoke straight into my spirit, he said, do not fear, I got you. And my tears immediately dried up. So over the next few days, I went about getting my things into order and I trusted God would provide me with a job or the lotto numbers. <laughs> well, a month went by, no job, no lotto numbers. I brushed it off, it was December. December's hard to get a job, right? Even for God. <laughs> maybe he wants me to rest. Maybe. Just maybe. January, I'll surely be working. Uh, at least by the end of the month, right? January finished. No job. Not even a callback from all of the applications I had submitted. And still no lotto numbers. I don't understand. But as each month rolled on, some doubt started to kick in. But each month, God kept me. I did not wear sackcloth or go around with the woe is me attitude. To the contrary, most people did not even know that I wasn't working for so long. Each month, God deposited something new in me. I wish I could say that I went through those seven months without throwing a tantrum for God, but I am human after all. I had easy days, and I also had some really tough days. But God. Now let me pause there for a moment. If you ever ask me my favorite words in the Bible, it is but God. Because it signals that no matter what came before those words, what is coming is God showing himself loving, gracious, faithful, and all-powerful. So as I was saying, but God had me in his hands. So let me share with you how he got me through this period and hopefully encourage you. A few years back, I had done a Bible study called The Inheritance 
by Beth Moore. It's based on Psalm 16, verse 6. In this season of waiting, this was one of the verses that I meditated on, but not just the verse, the entire chapter. I've borrowed two Ps from this Bible study. The first one is presence. An inheritance, just to kind of give an explanation of that word, refers to the benefits that an individual gives to their loved ones after they've passed away. This individual is referred to as the benefactor. In the world, when we speak about inheritance, it is in the absence of the benefactor that you receive your abundance. In Psalm 16, verse 1, read with me. It says, preserve me, O God, for in you I take refuge. I say to the Lord, you are my Lord. I have no good apart from you. So what can we take from this? With God, it is in his presence that we receive his abundance. In the world, the benefactor needs to be gone. In the kingdom, the benefactor is the benefit. So during this time, I constantly sought out God's presence. I called on him and he was with me. I read the Bible and I spent time listening and allowing him to speak to me. I learned more about his character and even more about mine. To double tap on that word inheritance, the concept of inheritance can be found in the Bible over 300 times. The main idea that it's trying to get across can be found in Galatians 3, verse 26. So in Christ Jesus, you are all my children. You are all children of God through faith. And then I'm jumping forward to verse, chapter 4, verse 7. So you are no longer a slave, but God's child. And since you are his child, God has made you an heir. So therefore... The kingdom, through Christ, we receive, the, we are eternal heirs of God's kingdom. So you and I are all heirs and heiresses. The next P is people. As in verse 3 it reads, As for the saints in the land, they are excellent ones, in whom is all my delight. We are co-heirs in Christ. And that means other people will come alongside us on our journey of life. And we will have to share what we have, which is something that comes very easy for me, to share money, time, my gifts. And sometimes we need to receive, which is something that does not come easy for me. And in this season, it was a lesson that God intended for me to learn. He wanted me to know that he puts us in fellowship with family and friends so that we can strengthen each other. In this time, God revealed to me that I had, loving, I had a loving family and amazing friends and amazing sisters and brothers in Christ. One lesson that I will never forget is through some of my friends, Lindeni, Kerry, Jen, Lindelani, Michelle, Derek. At one point, and still to this day, we were dubbed by James Row 3. 
That's because in the 5 p.m. we always sat in row three and some of us were a little loud. I'm trying to generalize it. <laughs> anyway, we have a girls' day out every month. And during this time, I couldn't afford to go out. The girls do not want me to miss, on these, miss out on these moments of friendship, though. And they decided that they'd take turns paying for me. But because they knew I wouldn't accept it, or let alone even ask for it, they lovingly told me to get over myself. <laughs> and explained that they knew it was a temporary season, and that if the tables were turned, they knew I would do the same. They also knew that I wouldn't ask for help, so they continued to check in on me and check on how I was doing. I do not take these friendships, my family or the other friendships that were there supporting me during this time for granted. What this and countless other examples has taught me is that is the importance of having people around you and drawing close to them in good and in bad times. I'm doing better at asking for help, but I'm still a work in progress. I've added my own P's. Um, the first P is promise. I love how the Amplified reads verse 5. It says, the Lord is the portion of my inheritance. Wow. The Lord is the portion of my inheritance. My cup. He is all I need. You are my lot. The lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Indeed, I have a beautiful inheritance. God told me on that bench that everything was going to be okay. And God does not let any word return to his mouth void. And as an heiress of God, the one thing that I know is that my life will never be left to chance. He's got me in his hands. I, I held on to that promise, and I reminded myself of that promise. And sometimes I even reminded God, don't forget. <laughs> I, knew, <laughs> I knew that no matter what it looked like, God was going to make everything okay. He promised me a victory. He didn't promise me the shape, form, or the timing of the victory. So I had to trust in him. I had to lean in and trust in a victory I did receive. I'll get to that a bit later. Please do not hear what I am not saying. I am not saying that this is a prosperity gospel and God is an ATM. But what I am saying is that God will always fulfill his promises. As the psalm says, for those who make the Lord their, cho his, their chosen portion, trust and rely on him. He will give you the desires of your heart. And by spending time in his presence, the first P, he will align our hearts to his desires. My next P is prayer. Verse 7 reads, I bless the Lord who gives me counsel. In the night, also my heart instructs me. I have let the Lord 
sorry, I have set the Lord always before me. Because he is at my right hand, I shall not be shaken. Let's never lose sight of God's splendor, showing reverence as we seek the Lord and his strength. Seek his face always, as it says in 1 Chronicles 16, verse 11. At the same time, let's pursue the intimacy that he offers. Despite God's holy magnificence, he stoops down to relate to us. What a loving father. In my prayers, I was vulnerable. I cried in frustration sometimes. I bore my heart to him. And let's face it, he already knows what we're thinking and how we really feel. He just wants us to willingly be vulnerable and willingly be honest with him. And that creates the intimacy. My next P is praise. Verse 9 reads, Therefore my heart is glad and my whole being rejoices. My flesh also dwells secure. The Amplified reads that last part as will dwell confidently in safety. How amazing is it that we have a father that we can dwell confidently in his safety? A lot of the times you'll see me lean into worship and it is because I have a, a heart of gratitude. And sometimes you'll see me even crying. I can promise you 90% of those tears are tears of overwhelming gratitude. I am overwhelmed because I often, I just cannot fathom how good God is to me. And I don't mean materialistically good to me. I mean the fact that even if it was just for me, he would go back to that cross. The fact that he is willing to die for me. That goodness. Many times, I wouldn't know what to pray. But my worship would speak for me. And God also speaks to me through worship. All of the peace that I've highlighted are an aspect of praise. But here, I'm specific, specifically leaning in to the element of worship. I used worship as my weapon to fight negative thoughts, to fortify my armor, to plant seeds of hope. And if I can steal the words from the song, Raise a Hallelujah, which if you ever come to my house are on the wall, I raise a hallelujah louder than the unbelief. My weapon is a melody and heaven comes to fight for me. So every time you are praising, you are worshiping, you are singing those words, you are joining in with the chorus of heaven. And heaven will come to fight for you in whatever circumstance you find yourself in. My last P is perseverance. For you will, verse 10 reads, For you will not abandon my soul to Sheol, or let your Holy One see corruption. You make known to me the path of life. In your presence there is fullness of joy. At your right hand there are pleasures forevermore. I was unemployed for seven months. But my divine inheritance 
and knowing the benefactor changed the way I looked at this negative situation. I may not know what my future holds. I certainly didn't during those seven months. But I do know that God holds my future. And with that knowledge, I found and I continue to find peace. For seven months, I did not have an income. But for seven months, God provided. Through family, friends, and his divine grace, I made it to the other side. For seven months, my bond continued to be paid, so I kept my house. <laughs> for seven months, and seven months later, I was headhunted for a job I did not apply for in an industry I have no experience in. But that's how God works. That's kingdom currency. I love my job. I love my colleagues. And I absolutely love what I'm doing. I'm so excited. And if I think back to all the questions that I asked God on that bench, all the doubts and all the worries, I basically was worried about my finances. But I no longer live in the fear of financial provision. God has taught me time and again that I do not need to. We have just sang a song that says, he's the fourth man in the fire. And in every season, he comes through. In every season, he will not fail. I hope my story encourages you if you are in a season of waiting or difficulty. Yours may not be a retrenchment story. It may be something else. My wait was for seven months this time around. Yours may be shorter. Yours may be longer. But know that it is the same God who remains true and remains faithful. I will leave you with this as I close. Don't hold tight to the temporary while losing sight of the eternal that is permanent. And that is my hope story. <laughs>